20 square box. Blocks. Blocks. 20 square blocks. We sit here outside in in your yard, which is um. I notice there's a. What's, what's this axe you've got here? This axe. Yeah, because you. Were, there's one of the presents I got when I was a kid. And most people, when they come into an interview, they don't have an axe next to them. <laughs> a Tommy Hawk. Uh, it's the original axe. Little little axe that I got for Christmas. Now hang on, how old were you when you were given this axe? About three. Why would they give a three-year-old this? It's not plastic. No, it's not plastic, it's real. As I can attest with a, a mark that's on my ankle. That massive scar? Yeah. They <laughs> cut it with this. How the hell? Um, <laughs> I went chop and straight through the bit of wood. And in the before. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. That's why you don't give a tomahawk to a three-year-old. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this time of year means different things to all of us. For some, it's about religion or catching up with family and friends. And for others, it's about creating traditions. But it's not often we find our own traditions resonating with total strangers. Merv Romeo spent 16 years playing country and rock and roll Christmas music from his front porch and became an icon in the Ballarat Christmas scene. Now, last time we spoke, you said you were born here. I was actually born in Melbourne. Okay. In uh, North Fitzroy. Yeah, North Fitzroy. Your parents originally lived in Melbourne, did they? That's a long story in itself. Um, My mother, I grew up believing, was my sister. And what happened was she had me as an illegitimate child and in those days they sent the girls away to have their babies to avoid the shame. Right, are we talking the 1950s here? 40s actually, 1947 I was born. And they were usually talked into adopting them out. What happened was my mother's parents decided to adopt me. So I was kept in the family. So your grandparents? So my grandparents adopted me and I grew up believing they were my parents until about the um, mid-90s. Mid-90s? Before I found out. How did you find out? Did you find out? I was working at the hospital. (laughs) Here in Ballarat? Here in Ballarat. I've lived in Ballarat all my life, in this very house that we're, we're at now. And a lady came up to me, evidently she was related... And she said, do you know that you're not their son? Uh, I said, oh, I've got a feeling. You know, I, I had this feeling. At one stage when I was little, I got into trouble. And I remember my, my adoptive father saying, uh, keep this up and you'll go back to the orphanage where you came from. And he wasn't joking. And he wasn't joking. Um, and so I had a faint inkling that it might be true but I didn't know exactly the full story so this is a hell of an introduction (laughs) it'll take 20 minutes just to do this I grew up with five sisters I believed well hang on were they your sisters no they were your aunties they were my aunties I'm, I'm guessing that your mother must have had you at the age of maybe 16 at the time for her 17 yep Okay. Yep. 
So the difference between you and your mother was actually plausible. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So she was my second eldest sister. So you thought you had five sisters. That's right, yeah. They all knew about this. Yep, every one of them. But they, like my birth mother, refused to acknowledge me as a son. Okay. It's not that they're ashamed to have you, but it's because society would look on them differently than treat you differently. That's right, yeah. Well, one thing that I was told, that my mother could have married four or five times over. Yeah. But every time she met a new guy and it looked like getting serious, she would say, if anything serious happens between us and we move in together or we get married, he comes with me. And the guy in those days would run a mile and she wouldn't see him again. So she'd always make that stipulation, even though she regarded me as a brother, she told everyone she was my brother. But it also sounds like there was a connection there. There was a connection, And she was never going to give you up. That was partly why she never married again. Okay. Never married, never had any more children. Uh... It's such an interesting family dynamic, but it it's a. It, but it sounds like it was a very good family dynamic. Oh, I was assured not, not too long ago, by one of my other sisters. It wasn't that you weren't loved. She said there was a lot of love in the family, and there was a lot of love for you. My father worked, or my grandfather, <laughs> worked on the trams. Yep. At the tram sheds as a general roustabout, dog body, whatever you want to call him. And sometimes he'd take me up to the tram sheds and I'd stay there overnight with him because he did night shift. And I'd help him drive the trams around the sheds, move them from one line to another. And... Uh, operate the brakes while he went underneath and hit things with a hammer. <laughs> this is back when Ballarat had a full tram system, though. Yeah, yep. yeah. And uh, that's where I first realised I could sing, because a big hit of the day was the pub with no beer, Clean <laughs> Dusty. And he loved the line about Billy the blacksmith, and uh, he'd uh, come home and to his wife and she'd say, you're early. And he'd say, oh, the pub's got no beer, you know. And he loved that line. He'd get me to sing the whole song. And um, I realised I could, could sing and he, he enjoyed me singing. So that sort of led to me starting to learn to play guitar and ended up life on the road for a while uh, with the country music bands. So I say you always have played country music then? Yep. Rock and roll and country. Because that's how I came to sort of be introduced to you, but we'll come back to that. So you tour around the place singing country music. What sort of places would you play at? Well, virtually hotels in Ballarat. Nearly every ho- There was a lot more hotels in Ballarat. And virtually every hotel knew who I was. I could just go and say, I'm looking for a gig. So it was easy for me to get a job. And so did you play anywhere else, like throughout Australia? or? Oh, Rockhampton, Queensland, over into South Australia. I went to Tamworth yep. about 10 years of, of Tamworth 
uh, about 20 years at Mildura, at the Mildura Country Music Festival. Yeah. Any festivals you could get a job on was pretty good because you were there like a week or 10 days and you weren't travelling around, but you were going from place to place in that town. From your musical days, what's a couple of things that really stick in your mind? Well, I also did a bit of songwriting. Okay. And I had one song which started out as an advertisement, I might add. <laughs> on, on television or radio? No, well, it was meant for radio. It never got there. The song was called Let Me Wine You and Dine You. Yeah. And before that, it was an ad for Dyer's Steak Stable. <laughs> but Murray Dyer didn't like some of the wording and he rejected it. It was Let Me Wine You and Dine You at Dyer's Steak Stable. Yep. A place that is far from the bright lights of town. That's nice. He didn't like it. He didn't like the far from the bright lights of town. He wanted it to be the place to go. You was know? it far away from the bright lights of town? <laughs> well, it was down in Main Road at the time. That's <laughs> in the centre of town. <laughs> yeah. And then he moved into Bridge Street, Little Bridge Street. And uh, he rejected it, so it sat in a drawer for a while. Couldn't you change that line to close to town? Well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> didn't bother. Okay, but, but you thought, why let something go to waste? So I thought, well, you know, and then I met Sue, my wife, my present wife. You say that like you've had more than one wife. I have had more than okay. one wife. <laughs> but the circumstances that I met Sue in for the second time, because we had known each other before, yep. and... I went with her when I was a teenager, when I was 14. And that's when I went to seek my fortune at 15 or 16. Didn't get a fortune. Still looking for it. <laughs> so then I came back to Ballarat and I met her. And uh, I looked at the circumstances of that and I thought, I could make that into this song. So I dug it out of the drawer and I changed it to uh, let me wine you and dine you in a quiet little restaurant. A place that is far from the bright lights of town. Uh, it's a fellow who meets a girl that he'd known before and uh, they've been separated. And he invites her out to tea. This is the story of you and Sue? Yeah. Now hang on, are you going out with her at this stage? No. Is this your way of asking her out? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote the song for her. You know, most people just ring up on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) But you write a song. Well, Muso's got to be different. If you're free, I could take you To dinner tonight I'd arrange a quiet table for two We could dance, have a drink Talk about old good times Past the hours the way we used to do Let me wine you and dine you In a quiet little restaurant A place that is far from the bright lights of town you won't find a disco or a rock and roll band And the soft 
You never had the decorations at your house, but now I see they've come back. Just a little bit. I got some help to uh, put a few things up. I notice there's a Santa trying to break into your house. He's climbing up a ladder. <laughs> oh, you noticed that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. That's, that's the idea. I want, I want to talk about how I first came aware of you. Is It was a few days before Christmas, and I'm up at my house about a block away, and I heard some country music or Christmas carols, I wasn't sure. And I thought, that sounds really close. And so I walked down the end of my block, and there you were, on your porch, singing country and western Christmas carols. That's right. <laughs> Which I'd never heard before. Then the next year it happened again. And then again, and this was a tradition that you actually had going for quite a number of years where you'd, well, you'd set we, up out the we, front. We tried to work it out. It's been about 16 years. Yeah, right. That we started, we did, we did the, uh, the lights. The first year I put up some lights and I had little plastic reindeer that went in the gutter of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I put them up. And we had a big storm and the wind blew them all over the street. They were right up, nearly up to your, where you live. And I had to go and collect them all, you know, and bring them back. And uh, anyway, uh, the second year, put the lights up again and I was able to climb up on roofs and things then. And I decided, oh, we'll try something different. And I put a, I had a portable PA that I used when I was working solo. Of course, yes. And uh, I used backing tracks. And uh, I um, started singing out the front. And people started to stop. Then next year more people started to stop. And the next year more. And we had people like Steve Monaghetti, the runner, the police coming past to have a look. We had Gold Bus stop and look. Well, you became a bit of a phenomenon it through this a area. Bit of a People would talk about you all year. and, and That's uh, right. But you eventually had to stop singing. Yeah. Well, I eventually had to stop singing, period. I couldn't play guitar anymore because my, uh, my hands got arthritis in them. Right, okay. Uh, and I couldn't hold on to the pick. I kept dropping it. Yeah. And, um, and I couldn't sing. My throat is just... Gone. That's just happened over the last few years, though. Hmm. So is that because of some illness you have? Yeah, because me. Uh, <clears throat> I've got liver failure, and the liver produces ammonia. Right. And the ammonia goes through my system and up to my brain, and I lose all functions. Uh, I can't remember who I am where I am or what I'm doing. But that all comes back after... Uh, and Because uh, you've been to hospital a few times. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. And I'll end up going more and more. Not long ago, I was going into hospital regularly and we were calling an ambulance. And this one time, about two months ago, an ambulance came to the front door and took me up to the hospital and this young paramedic... She was sitting there talking to me, you know, keeping me calm while I was having a hard time. And uh, she said, 
did did you used to sing Christmas carols out the front? And I said, yes, I did. And she said, my mother used to bring me down here when I was a kid. And she, I mean, she was still a kid to me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, she said, I thought I knew the house when we pulled up. She said, oh, you had all these things up and and reindeer on the roof and. <laughs> I actually sat, you know, I had people coming past and were asking me to sing and I was actually sitting inside crying because I couldn't do it. So, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, it's amazing what used to happen. You know, people, Sue used to go out and give lollies to the kids and we'd go out the next morning yeah, you know, just to check everything. And there'd be a Christmas cake sitting inside the gate or a, a bunch of flowers for us. You know, there was... People gave presents back to us, you know. We couldn't understand it. <laughs> well, you were giving a, a gift to everyone else. Mm, it really yeah. was, a, was a special little yeah. thing that happened. I mean, no one else is doing this. <laughs> no. And, you know, as I said, I stumbled upon it. I just happened to live in the area yeah. and, uh, and hear this. Did you ever record any of these? Not really. I mean, I, I, did, I did actually record a little bit on my iPhone when I came around, which wasn't really doing justice to um, the house. I mean, I was standing, you know, 20 feet away just recording on my little iPhone, but I've got a small little bit of, bit of you playing. Oh, really? Yeah. In fact, I don't, let me have a look. Because I think I would... I think I've always kept it on here. Oh, my God. Let me have a little look here. <laughs> oh, no, you can't. Uh, oh, here we are. Sleigh bells ring, I'm listening in the lane. There you are. Walking in the wind, one of the land. Special thanks to Merv Romeo and thank you for those 16 years of singing carols from your porch. Original music by Ryan Goodwin. Check out his other music at virtuallyryan.com. Additional material written by Anne Mirison. Our logo was designed by Chris Frith. Editing by Ricky Cheno. I'm Ben Plaza and this is 20 Square Blocks. Listener to 20 Square Blocks. My name is Keith Siri, and I'm the host of a podcast called The Volume Knob. 
If you like 20 square blocks, I think you might like my show too. The volume knob is about personal stories and the power of music. Every week I ask a different guest to describe the story of the song that saved their life. I'd like to think that the results are stories that are not only about music, but about the powerful emotions that music brings. Volume knob stories are thought provoking. The word mom is really loaded. I don't know. It's just my relationship to it is really complicated. Humorous. I'd be I'd be there pretending I was Stanley Kubrick, kind of rolling my eyes, being like, clearly my film is more important than Jonathan cleaning his room. And sometimes a little heartbreaking. Because I was really kind of surprised at how much it affected me. I mean, not that I didn't expect to be sad, but it really it was a real gut punch. You can download the volume knob at www.volumenob.net or wherever you get your podcasts. And feel free to follow us on Twitter at volumenob1, that's the number one, or on Instagram at volume underscore knob.